This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good how morning. are you? Good morning. Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, interesting show today. We're obviously a, a tremendous, tremendous victory by uh, Brooke Henderson in the uh, Canadian Women's Open, uh, CP Open, last Sunday. It really was a win for the ages, and we'll be talking to Canadian golf legend Sandra Post about uh, about that remarkable, remarkable performance by Brooke Henderson last Sunday. So we'll be talking to Sandra Post on the show, middle of the hour, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts, Hoagie, Mike Hogan. So uh, it's the big Labor Day Classic tomorrow in Hamilton. Going to bring out the ghosts of uh, Ralph Sazio and uh, Bernie Filoni there, ne- Naz. Never, never win stadium. Do you remember that? Uh, the old Ivor win. Actually, before that, it was the Civic Stadium. So we go back a little bit further even than that. Uh, Remember paying uh, paying a few, uh, you know, heading down the QEW a few times to uh, to watch the Labor Day Classic and uh, some great names, uh, some great great uh, rivalry between the Argos and the Tie Cats, and uh, we're going to be thrilled, of course, to talk to Mike Hogan about that. Um, so that's what's coming up today. Interesting, all kinds of other things going on in the sports world. Very briefly, before we go on to a topic that you are you and I are passionate about. Uh, my beloved Fighting Irish uh, took out Michigan yesterday, so I'm on a little bit of a high, walking on a cloud this morning, Naz. I watched Rudy uh, pull up my Rudy tape this week. Um, so uh, beating the arch-rival uh, uh, Michigan team is obviously a huge victory for, the, for and a great start to the season for the Fighting Irish. Uh, hopefully uh, we keep that one going. And, of course, you're wearing your, your Alabama shirt this morning. And uh, the predictable result, I would call it, from the, from the, from the Tide, uh, they blew out Louisville yesterday. And, uh, man, I watched uh, parts of that game. <laughs> Uh, Alabama's a handful, Ness. <laughs> they, they sure are. They sure are. Uh, so they were up 44-7 at uh, three-quarter time. That quarterback, the second-year guy, I can't even pronounce his name. 49-7, sorry. 49. Yeah, the, uh, the, the quarterback there for Alabama, I can't even pronounce his name. Man, he's an exciting player. Young, too. Eh? Young player, too. And uh, for all the Alabama fans who just you roll from one season to the next, maybe they, that's why they call it Roll Tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, you know, you got to give, you got to pay, you got to give credit where credit is due. The Crimson due. Tide is a religion in yeah. Alabama, Wally. Yeah, well, I can uh, imagine. It's unbelievable. Well, there's, it's unbelievable. Re- there's religion in South Bend, too, Naz. <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> of, of two types. Yes. 
Uh, so there's, there's, you know, they know there's passionate Alabama fans, but there's some, some pretty passionate Nick, fighting Nick Irish guys, Saban too. Nick can walk on water, that guy. Oh, absolutely he can. So uh, yeah, if we get a chance at the end of the show, we'll pick that discussion up. But uh, uh, from now to the break, I want, you know, let's, let's talk about, uh, we haven't talked too much about the Blue Jays this year. Just because not not, there wasn't much positive to talk about this year, to be quite frank with you. A lot of it injury, to be fair. Uh, you know, injuries really killed them this year. But uh, their MVP uh, from a couple of years back, of course, I'm talking about Josh Donaldson, is no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. He is now joined the tribe in Cleveland. Um, sort of, uh, I'm not necessarily surprised that Josh Donaldson is no longer a Blue Jay. I am somewhat surprised that he's a Cleveland Indian, um, and I'm somewhat surprised that we literally got nothing for him. Uh, Naz, I know uh, you and I were chatting on the air, just uh, ch- chatting uh, off the air just before the show. Uh, you had some pretty strong words. Uh, I'll give you this opportunity to uh, relay some of those words uh, uh, in in a manner that you can over the air. So uh, I'll turn it over to you, Ness. Why would you trade an MVP-type player to a team that you came from? I'm talking about the uh, uh, Shapiro and his gang. Why would you do that? I don't understand that. Well, let, let, <laughs> uh, I will, I, I'm sure. I'm sure the spin, because there's going to be a lot of spin. I know, there was an interview, I think, with Madani and Ross Atkins in the clubhouse that I, I, I saw on Sportsnet. Uh, obviously, the Blue Jays management has to put out some spin to try and justify this one to the fans, and and I think the spin is uh, that uh, he's no longer part of their plans. And that was the best offer they were able to get. Um, apparently, there were four other offers from four other teams. And, you know, at the end of the day, whether Shapiro and Atkins were part of the Cleveland organization or not, at this point in time, is largely irrelevant. If that's where the best offers come from, that's where you do the deal. Now, you made the point, Naz, better than I, make, than I can make it, which is... We don't even know what we got back because apparently we're going to get this player to be named later. But I, you know, and and we have to pay the Indians what two point seven million? Seven million of the three point seven million. Right. So it's not like we saved. You know, what what are we saving? We're saving having to put out a qualifying offer for Donaldson, and I think we're talking what about eighteen million dollars for next year. But make the case. Make the case why. Well, let's see why, 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 why make this deal now? Um, doesn't me, make doesn't make any sense to make the deal. Why? Now, I give you for instance, right? We we talked about it. John Tavares has a broken leg and he's out for the season. He's got uh, he, they can qualify him in the following year. Would you qualify John Tavares? I wouldn't give that a second thought. So why wouldn't you qualify uh, um, the big guy, I, Donaldson? Is is the theory that um, you got to take that eighteen million dollars off the payroll, and the Blue Jays are three years away? Why pay Donaldson? Why qualify him? Whatever it's going to cost. I'm I'm not familiar with the intricacies. They qualify him. They get a first round pick if somebody signs him. Okay. So well, that that seems position. to me better than this player to be named later Absolutely. that they're going to get. Uh, but it seems to me. Um, 
I, 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 if if I was to when I, I think when the spin comes out, um, management at the Blue Jays are going to suggest that um, you know they're just taking the team in a different direction, and John, and Donaldson doesn't form part of that plan. Um, they're three year apparently, they're three years away, and in three years' time, Donaldson's not going to be part of the a part of that, although. You know, I mean, I'm not so sure that, you know, I'm not so sure about that. If they are three years away, um, you know, I think Donaldson might be, you know, a, a, a star that's, you know, in gracefully declining. I, you know, he's been injury. Uh, injury has really killed him the last two years. Um but in the second half of last year, even in, 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 in his season last year, 24 home runs. In, in an injury marked season, in the month of September yeah. last year. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that Donaldson still got game. I, I, my sense of it is it became personal between Josh and the people who advise him, and between Shapiro and Atkins and Blue Jays management. But Shapiro, and they, and they took positions, uh, they dug their heels in, and uh, they rubbed each other the wrong way in a lot of different ways. And uh, this this negotiation or this. Uh, relationship just completely got off the rails. And we go back, what is it, a year ago, two years ago, when we lost Encarnacion. We had that discussion. It's two years ago now, isn't it? Two years ago, yeah. yeah. Um, We had that discussion. And, you know, those negotiations, quotation marks, um, got botched. Although, you know, I'm I'm sure Blue Jays management wouldn't look at it that way. But, uh, you know, when when all got said and done, Encarnacion headed out of town for probably less than the Blue Jays would have paid him. So that didn't work out all that well. This Donaldson thing, you know, it's it it seems to have got personally ugly at the end. Uh, Donaldson got shipped down to Florida what a couple of weeks ago, and you know he's tweeting out that I've got things to say about management, and I'll do it in my own time. And obviously, I would guess that that's going to happen at the end of the season. Uh, he's going to put obviously put his spin on whatever happened, but it just it just seems. You know, you have an MVP player, um, and and you allow this to go off the rails. It just, you know, I, I, I don't know. That's It doesn't seem to me that's the way you treat modern athletes. The majority of the uh, their best young players came from Anthopolis, not from uh, Shapiro. And you still look at Guerrero. Guerrero was uh, signed by Anthopolis, and he's the star coming up, right? Yeah, and i got to think Shapiro and Atkins, you know, they got it. They, you know, they got to realize that they've subjected themselves to a tremendous amount of criticism. Uh, the fan base, I'm sure, is not going to be too thrilled about this. Um, but you know, they're big boys. They got to go out and justify it, and uh, they're going to have to justify and sell Blue Jays fans on why this is in the best interest of the long-term interest of the Toronto Blue Jays. Right now, I'm not seeing it. Um, Time will tell, Ness. I think they're going to toast him, though. That's what I'm hearing. That uh, well, he's really, coming into town this yeah, week, isn't he? Yeah. John, uh, aren't the Indians coming in? They're not happy with Shapiro and his group, and uh, he may not have a job at the end of the year. Well, we'll he keep watch the uh, Gibby thing too, right? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> certainly they're in for a lot of. I mean, you see where the franchise was. You know, and, I mean. We, you know, that we had that run for a couple of years, and they, you know, they blown up, blown off the map so quick. It just, wow, 
It seems like yesterday Bautista was hitting that home run and having a scrap with the Texas Rangers. Yeah, it looks like they're running the bad news bears. Here. You know, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, the story we'll keep talking about. Uh, other story we want to talk about, uh, we're going to go to break and we'll be back with Canadian golf legend Sandra Post. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying... Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. 96.7 FM if you're listening in downtown Toronto and internet streaming www.zoomerradio.ca Certainly our distinct uh, privilege to welcome uh, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Canadian golf legend Sandra Post. Good morning Sandra, how are you? Good morning Naz and Wally. Listen, uh, thanks so much for having us and I'm, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit uh, off the top. I'm going to do what I normally do. I give, try to give my guests a proper introduction just to, because when we talk with somebody of your accomplishments, we do want to remind our listeners uh, what you, what certainly that the accomplishments. 1979 Lou Marsh Trophy winner, eight LPGA Tour wins. Canada Sports Hall of Fame, Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, Ontario Sports Hall of Fame, Order of Canada, and voted one of Canada's greatest women athletes of the 20th century. Uh, Sandra, I apologize, uh, but uh, I had to do that, and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tremendous, tremendous accomplishments in your career, Sandra, but last Sunday... I was, uh, Naz and I were watching it on TV, as I'm sure you were. Uh, Canada's darling right now, Brooke Henderson, 
20 years old. Uh, a performance for the ages. I got to be quite frank, uh, Sandra, and um, how she did it was probably more remarkable uh, than than her accomplishment. Winning the Canadian Women's Open, uh, being the first Canadian to win it since Jocelyn back in 1973. That's right. You were watching it, I'm sure, or saw parts of it. Um, your uh, your reaction when it was all unfolding last Sunday. Well, she just commanded it. I mean, starting on the Sunday, it was really hers to lose because she had the lead. But, uh, you know, when you sleep on on your lead overnight, that's not an easy thing to do. Usually it's a sleepless night, and I understand she had one. And um, But she went out the next day, and, and I think she really had a number in her mind. If she could get to 18 under, uh, nobody could really catch her. And, of course, she surpassed that and finished at 21 under. But at no time, you know, sometimes when you watch golf, you know how you get nervous for the leaders? I, I don't know about you two, but I never once. I thought she had it in, it really, in, it really had command the entire time. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it was out at Wascana and Regina for your listeners who, who didn't uh, tune in. And uh, it really, it really you, know, you know, we talk about sports teams. They have a lot of home games. <laughs> we have one home game. I'm talking about the LPGA. We have one home game a year. And, um, and, and then we have 150-some-odd people that want to beat you and every, uh, that week. So it's really hard to win. It's really, really hard to win at home. Some women do. Some men do, of course. And I always, uh, I, really, I really commend them because I tried the very best I could. <laughs> I finished in the top ten usually. But, I, you know, this was really a great performance. Sandra, uh, she had, uh, Brooke has a self-taught swing. Is that correct? That that's right. It's it's an overswing. Uh, you know, she's about five foot four in stature, and she's a former little hockey player, goalie. In fact, <laughs> she's got those strong legs. And as long as those strong legs keep going, you know, she she's wonderful at impact. So she takes a forty-five inch driver, which is very long for someone of that stature, grips down, and she's figured a way how. And her dad, her dad is her coach. Uh, Dave is her coach, and they figured a way how to get that driver out there around 275 so that she doesn't give up the distance with the naturally long hitters that are much taller than her, like the Lexi Thompson, Michelle Wee types. And, um, and, then, and then she's got a great iron game. And then when her putter is working, and that's the key, her putter was working. She made a lot of putts on those greens. And, um, and of course, I think, you know, when the pressure's on, that's where it really shows. And so that kudos to the how well how many putts she made uh, last week, and it was just a great finish. It was you know it's not only just great for women's golf; it's great for golf in Canada. I think it's just great for women's golf around the world. I'm talking to Sandra Post. Sandra, um, there haven't been that many uh, major championship winners amongst uh, Canadian golfers, and uh, Brooke is one. You're one, Mike Weir. Uh, and it just there's one question. I, you know, when we get legends on the show, this is Zuma Radio after all. Um, I, there's one question. You know, uh, obviously you're a major championship winner. It's a '68 LPGA Championship. It's June 1968. I believe you had just turned 20 years of age, Correct. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And in those days, uh, that was a major. Um, and it was the LPGA Championship, and it was tied, and you had to go into an 18-hole playoff right. with legend Kathy Whitworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us what your recollections are of, of the evening before and the morning of, and 
a 20-year-old going up against one of the legends of the sport. And quite frankly, just to remind our listeners, you beat her pretty handily in the 18-hole playoff. It was You shot 68 and she shot 75. Right. Tell us your thoughts, what it was like being a 20-year-old in a major championship playoff going up against one of the legends of the game. Well, you know, unlike today, a lot of the players have their families around them. They travel with them. Like, for instance, Brooke has her sister and her, and her dad and her mom travel with her. Um, uh, we didn't do that back in 68. We were just alone, <laughs> alone driving a car. <laughs> so I drove a car to Worcester, Massachusetts for my first major of my life on the LPGA Tour. And after four days, just like you said, the dust settled, and oh, here I was, tied with the greatest ever, Kathy Whitworth. Um, thank goodness I'd known Kathy since I was 13 years old. So, I mean, we were, you know, I mean, I was, I was just in awe of her, nothing else. But, you know, she liked me, thank goodness. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, the media, they jumped on the plane. They filed their stories uh, that afternoon on the Sunday at St. George's. You know, it was, it was the Canadian Open time, and Bob Charles had just won. So they filed their stories. They jumped on the plane, and their bo- my dad was with them to Boston, and I, and I picked my dad up at midnight because I wasn't going to be sleeping. And, um, you know, and the next day um, we all went out there, and as you said, it, it wasn't really quite that lopsided. She made a big number on 17, and uh, so, but it, uh, we were close. We were within a shot or two of the whole round, but she got in trouble on 17, and uh, then I just had a nice walk on, on, on 18. But um, it, was, uh, it was great. My dad was there. Uh, he was my, he had been my coach also, just like Brooke. And, uh, it was, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't realize at the time, you know, when you're the first one, the first person on the LPGA tour and first person in Canada to win a major, you don't realize that you're setting a bar or you're setting a, you're the first, you just sort of doing it. And that's all I was trying to do. I was just trying to figure out my career and to see if I was going to be good enough to play on the LPGA tour. Sandra, what do you think of the 18-year-old restriction on players playing in the LPGA? Well, it was, it was restricted for me. It wasn't for Brooke. You know, if you're a good enough, we didn't have this rule, but if you're good enough, like Morgan Pressel and, and Brooke, they, they go ahead and what they do is, is they, all they have to do is write a letter to the commissioner. And if their record is good enough and it shows that they could, they could definitely and they'd belong out there, you know, they, there's ways of getting out there before you're, you're 18. Uh, we're talking to Sandra Post. Sandra, uh, with this victory and the way that Brooke did it in her major championship, uh, I consider that she's uh, she's now joined what I call the holy trinity of Canadian women's golfers. There's, I think, three that have three of you that have really separated yourselves yeah. historically. Of course, I'm talking about Brooke now, yourself, and Marlene Stewart Street. Uh, well, I'd like to put Ada McKenzie in there. Okay. Because, because first of all, you know, Ada was a great amateur player, and she won tournaments. But more importantly, I mean, she built a golf course. Okay. <laughs> Toronto ladies. And yeah. she went to the bank for the loan when they wouldn't give women a loan. And so Stanley Thompson, of course, the great architect who was building the golf course, he posed as her husband to get the money <laughs> for, for Toronto wow. ladies. So, and I mean, here's a woman that she, she even redesigned golf clothes for women. So... I really put Ada, okay. and then Marlene, and then myself, and then Brooke. And I will defer to your greater expertise, <laughs> Sandra. Uh, but I, I, there's, there's something very important happening next year. 
okay, well, in Canadian women's golf. <laughs> where the, the CP Women's Open's coming back to the right. GTA, and it hasn't yeah. been here in a long time. 17 I, years yeah. since Annika won at uh, Angus Glen. Angus Glen, and it's yeah. coming up. I mean, we've had some ones that were close, you know, at Whistle Bear. We had the Man yeah. Your Life, and I'm sorry that went away. But, um, yes, people will have a chance, you know, to get in behind those gates and see that pretty golf course and uh, see the best women golfers in the world, and that'll be fun. What do you think, uh, what's your assessment of Brooks' victory um, uh, in terms of what that means? Uh, obviously, you chatted, means, it means the world for women's golf around the world, but specifically in Canada. And uh, going back to when you grew up as as a young golfer, uh, being a, a young woman or a young girl watching uh, a Canadian achieve, um, you know, what some people thought was the unachievable, uh, what does that mean for Canadian women's golf or for Canadian golf in general? I think it'll definitely give it a bump. Uh, you know, it's just like when we have an Olympics and, and they see, and they see our, our Olympians, whether it be summer or winter, and when they're successful and they're on the podium and they've got the medal around their neck. Whenever you see a champion, I think, not, not just Canadians, I think any country, whenever you see anyone, uh, when we have a winner and a champion, a person that can win, and that it's not a stretch, that she, she or he could win any week, um, it, it, always, it always encourages people to tune in and to watch. And when they do, other little girls, their boys, tune in also. And so uh, definitely this, this, this uh, you know, they're given a lot of opportunity today, a lot more today. It's, it's not a strange to see little three- and four- and five-year-olds on a range now hitting golf balls. I, you know, uh, it was very different back in the early 50s when I was on the range hitting golf balls. But... But it's, you know, we really do encourage. I really think that there's, there's, you know, it's a wonderful sport. It's a wonderful, it's a lifetime-type sport. And, and I think there's just, you know, it, it is, it's a lot more accessible than it used to be. And I think it's, very, it's getting more diverse, and I think it's more far-reaching. I think it's actually easier to get to golf and to be able to do it. Sandra, um, golf is on a decline a bit with uh, players. <laughs> How would you change things? It's on the decline. Yeah, for, uh, not as many participants. I don't. I don't. I don't think. No. Well, we overbuilt in the '90s the golf courses, and 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 society changed a bit. You know, it became very fast and less time. And golf is difficult to play, but golf, like life, like politics, like everything, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. And I think actually it's it's becoming it's on an up cycle right now again, and because when you know sort of financially things are good, golf is up, and I think actually golf is, you know, uh, you know, on, on, and I, it's never going away, and it's always going to be there. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but sometimes when people talk about it, you think, oh my goodness, you know, it's going, it's never going away, oh. and so. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a cycle, and I think when we, just, you know, just a little tip of the iceberg, I think when we have a winner, it helps. Like when Mike Weir, when he won the Masters, things were kind of down at that point. That really picked up, I think, sort of our spirit and everything, and, and, and I think that sort of gave golf maybe a little bump in our country. But, um, you know, we've got the weather. We've got a lot of things to contend with, but it's still per capita. We're one of the most, you know, in the world, we're like, we lead you know, in, in rounds of golf. So, um, 
you know, golf is uh, golf is really quite alive and well. Sure, we've got some golf courses that are going on the way of the development, you know, especially in the GTA, you know. But it's because we did oh, we did really over we really did build too many golf courses so quickly back in the nineties. What do you think of the notion of uh, having a twelve hole course instead of eighteen, so you're not out there that long? Yeah, I love twelve hole golf courses. Right now, I actually I I'm involved with a little twelve hole golf course up in Port Elgin, and and uh, it's called Westlinks, and I love going up there. I love playing twelve because when you have twelve, you can just play another six and get your eighteen in if you want, or you can play six and quit. I think I think twelve is a great number to uh, you know to 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 have. I think eighteen sometimes can be a little bit too long. Uh, we've been talking to Sandra Post. Sandra, uh, just remind everybody that uh, you're still uh, involved in golf. You have a golf school up at, uh, up at Glen go Eagle. I'm going to look at one of my students in about another half an hour and hit some golf balls and stay in shape. I'm going to be going to Ireland in a few weeks and going over there and playing five or six rounds. And, and I stay active, and I go out on the LPGA Tour and see the players. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the selection committee for uh, the Canadian uh, Golf Hall of Fame. I just love staying in the game, and I've been in the game a, a long time, but uh, it's, um, I'm lucky. Anyway, Sandra, it's, it's been a pleasure, uh, certainly uh, an opportunity to talk golf, that you obviously still have an incredible passion. Tremendous. And, uh, and thanks for that little chat we had off the air the, uh, the other, other morning. Apparently our, our paths may have crossed at Oakdale Golf and Country Club a long, long time ago. Uh, so uh, certainly brought back some uh, fond memories of uh, some time I spent up there when I was younger, and yeah. certainly chatting with you has brought back some incredibly fond memories of uh, your, your accomplishments, your significant accomplishments, and an opportunity to talk about Canada's great, great Brooke Henderson. Thanks so much, Sandra. Okay, thank you both. Have a great day. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Um, you know, she was she was uh, certainly one, a phenomenal, phenomenal golfer, and uh, just the opportunity to go back and chat about some of her career accomplishments. Uh, you sort of wouldn't say you forget, but you're reminded of. Uh, yeah, she was. She was. She was one of our best of all time. She sure was. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for our break, and right after the break, we'll be talking to the voice of the Toronto Argonauts. Joining us in studio, Mike Hogan. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said... My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. 
the best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome to, uh, to the show Mike Hogan, the voice of the Argos. Can I call you the voice of the Argos? You can call me with hope. The mic going? Oh, we haven't got oh. your mic on. Hold on, that's my job. Ah, uh, there we better. go. You can call me whatever you would like. <laughs> okay, we'll call you. We'll call you Mike. We'll call you Hoagie. We love you. You know that. Well, I hope so. Okay, I'm a lovable guy. <laughs> <laughs> we've listened to you. We've listened to you for so long, uh, uh, and uh, talking about Argos football uh, tomorrow at. Is it what do they call it down there now? It's Tim Hortons Field. Tim Hortons Field. We were just had a little discussion earlier, and Naz say it used to be. Is it? Is it? You got to You got to help me out here. Is it's not the old Ivor Wynn got torn down? Yeah, and it's uh, this a brand new facility. Same plot of land. Same plot of land. And the 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 floor plan is perpendicular to the old building. Okay. So you don't have to look into the west sun. Some of the receivers, I don't know how they, they get it, it sometimes just yeah, it's terrible. So it's a pretty windy building, but uh, you know, wind comes off the mountain, but yeah. it's it's fun spot. It's a great building. I'm actually old enough to remember the old Civic Stadium. Wow. He is old. Naz, you're only a year younger than me. (laughs) You said it. I remember the old Civic Stadium. Anyways, let's talk about uh, uh, it's become become almost like a rite of autumn. Sure. Uh, it's the Labor Day Classic. It's it's acquired its own mantra, its own branding, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's it's the Argos and it's the Ticats. And I got a, you know, I I got a sense that, uh, you know, uh, Ticat fans don't like Argo fans too much. Really, uh, <laughs> and they don't like the Argonauts. So exactly. there's going to be there's going to be a lot of us making the trek down the QEW uh, Monday, uh, and they're probably not going to get a, a great welcome down at uh, at TD. But tell us a little bit about the atmosphere of of the Labor Day Classic. It's different than any other game in Hamilton. Um, it's it it brings out. Not only the diehards, but it brings out the peripheral Ticat fan that may still think Joe Zuger is playing. but He's not? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they, they come out once a year, and uh, they know two things. To wear black and gold, and that the Argos suck. <laughs> That's all they know. And they come out, and it adds to it. Um, of course it does. It's a loud building. Um, it's it's a blast. And there have been so many memorable games on Labor oh, Day. Wow. It, ju- it just seems to kind of up the ante a little bit because of the uh, uh, the added intensity of the Labor Day game. What's your most memorable game on Labor Day, Mike? The, one last year for all the wrong reasons because there's a two-and-a-half-hour weather delay. 
There was a lightning storm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Johnson was my broadcast partner last year, and we had two and a half hours to kill on top of the game. <laughs> so uh, so <laughs> that was memorable. There was one in 2007. I think it was, two, was 2000, 2005, 2000, somewhere in the, in the mid-2000s, where a uh, uh, fight broke out. Quarterback got involved, Michael Bishop, and it was just, it was Labor Day. It was just, the intensity was so high, and I think it ended up a tie game, but it was, there have been some pretty, pretty it's, memorable it's, games. It's, it's, Michael Bishop was the guy with the big arm, right? <sighs> he was incredible. Tom Brady played, Michael Bishop played at Kansas State, came into the NFL. Tom Brady, to this day, maintains that Michael Bishop has the strongest arm he's ever seen. Wow. Uh, talking about a tight cat, uh, you know, you know, you get the opportunity. You bring in Labor Day Classic and mm-hmm. all the great ones, and uh, the the rivalry between the tight cats and the Argos, uh, obviously because we're so close sure. to each other, and uh, you know the that part of it. There's there's one distinct, and it's not a Labor Day game, but mm-hmm. there's one distinct Argo Argo Hamilton game, and um, I was I was really really young at the time, and. And I'm sure you don't remember this one, Mike. Uh, is uh, it was a playoff game, and in those days, uh, you know the the Argos would uh, Argos would kick the ball. To, they needed to get a point, and they kicked the ball into the Hamilton end zone. Mm-hmm. And Bernie Filoni, the great Bernie Filoni, who was a quarterback and punter, mm-hmm. uh, punted it back out. And then Dave Mann punted it back in, <laughs> and then Filoni punted it back Beautiful. out. They they must have punted it back and forth. This is if you I don't even know if it's on YouTube. They must have punted it back and forth about five or six times Canadian until rules. finally Bernie Filoni picked up the ball and he ran it back 110 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> really. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. The, 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 and, uh, you know that was that. You know you wanted you wanted to see the difference between Canadian football and American football. That was it. You just got guys punting it back and forth in and out of the end zone because, uh, and then but Filoni says, "Enough of this! I'm just going to pick up the ball." And he runs it all the way back. I love the rouge. I mean, a lot of people don't like the single point, and and because it, every once in a while you'll see that. Um, I called one, the Alouettes were in town when they were at the Rogers Center, and it was the same thing. It was kick in, kick out, kick in, kick out, kick in, and recovered for a touchdown. By the tip, by the tip. It was, it was, cra- it was crazy. It was crazy. Mike, uh, Trestman uh, is not going to address Carter for two weeks, right? For mm-hmm. two games? That's why, the plan. why is that? Is it that his offense and defense that complicated? Um, no, I think, it's, I think it's more of a test. Um, to be honest, and I, 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 I hate to speak for Coach Trustman, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. But for those who don't know who Dron Carter is, Dron Carter is a spectacular player who has been released by Montreal, released by Saskatchewan, and they say there's a problem. And the Argos are taking a chance at Dron Carter, but they want to see if he's if he's dialed in and is going to do the things that they want to do off the field. Um, at practice yesterday, he's practicing with the second unit, and he made two great catches for long gains uh, when they were when they were in practice and you see the talent level and I think it's just Mark Tressman wanting to see if he can trust Deron Carter. Uh, Mark Tressman doesn't hand out assignments, starting assignments. He says you have to earn it and as soon as Deron Carter shows him that he can trust him and oh. that he's going to fit into the quote-unquote Argonaut way, um, okay. then, well, he'll, then he'll put him on the field. Let me push that one a little yeah, bit. Sure. No, absolutely. Let me push that one yep. a little bit. Yeah, we know that Duran. We know Duran Carter is a, is is a really good CFL football player. No question. Okay, so you bring him in and you and and say we have to see if we can trust him. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? 
I, I think that they're that drunk Carter's reputation, and I, 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 you know, I've talked to guys who played him. S.J. Green on the Argos, uh, Bear Woods on the Argos, uh, both played with him in Saskatchewan, and say that the the reputation that he has um, is something that they didn't see in Montreal. So I think that uh, they just want to see if he's going to be a team player, if he's Fair a diva, enough. right? You, you've heard the yeah, term diva yeah, receiver, yeah. right? Fair the enough. Randy Mosses of the world, Torello, one's oh, guys like that, south of the border. Yeah. They want to see if he's like that. Mark Trestman won't put up with that. Mark Trestman will okay. release him if that's a problem, So he, if that continues. Or starts, because we haven't seen it yet. Um, but if, if, if Jerron Carter shows he's a good teammate, because we know the talent's there, because, he'll put him on the field. Because he can play corner too, right? Yeah. yeah. He's an amazing athlete. He can he's play both. fantastic. Both ends. Uh, Labor Day Classic, Argos in Hamilton, there's a return match. Yeah, on uh, Saturday, a week from yesterday. Um, October 8th, it's a 1 o'clock kickoff at, at BMO, BMO Field. And great spot. If you haven't been to a game uh, at BMO, I know you guys, is this the one you guys are coming to? Because you guys were looking down the, the schedule and saying that uh, we're going to go to a game. The 20th of October. Oh, we're, okay. we're, 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 waiting for, uh, we're waiting for the Manziel. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I, I got a feeling we're going to make it We're going to make it there earlier than that. Awesome. Uh, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're going to I'm going to try and get down there more than once. It's a, you know, uh, just it's, because it's a great facility. Mm-hmm. Autumn's a, an, you know, you get a, a beautiful autumn afternoon. There's nothing better. Absolutely. And the other thing that's going to add to next Saturday's game is there's going to be a boatload of people coming down from Hamilton. So that's going to add to the vibe oh. and the excitement of the building. And it's, it's, those games but, are fun in either But from building. a f- football perspective, these are very important yes. games because yeah. line, I mean, you know, the Argos record isn't the best, but no. we're fighting for a playoff spot. Game and, behind Hamilton right now. Right? And, you know, if if, you, if Argos managed to squeeze out two victories uh, out of these, out of these two games, you know, we're, we're back in, we're back in a playoff spot. Yeah. So they're, from a football perspective, they're very, very important. And everybody on that team realizes the importance of these two games, um, especially since uh, the Argos lost against Montreal, who seemed to be coming around. They beat Ottawa on uh, on Friday night. So um, there's no pushovers anymore. And the, the, the difference in talent between first and worst in the CFL uh, is a lot closer than I think a lot of people give it credit Mike, for. Mike, the Alouettes have really improved on yes, defense. On defense. Oh my God, it's a difference. Team. What yeah, happened? absolutely. What uh, I think they're finally getting the scheme, and and the talent is being allowed to be the talent. There's, there are a few guys on that roster who haven't played in the CFL before, kind of getting nuanced, uh, getting sort of the, used to the nuance of the of receivers in motion and things like that. So, um, Mark Tressman and the and the staff last week were adamant, and they kept saying this is a much better team than has shown on paper so far this year. So, they found out firsthand that that was the case. Uh, we lost Ricky Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't die. No. <laughs> uh, not not literally. Yeah. <laughs> Figuratively, yeah. as a football sure. player, maybe. Uh, so we, you know, it doesn't appear that he's back this year and may never be back. We mm-hmm. don't know. We don't know the answer to that. So the, you know, the fate of the Argos' fortunes from now till the end of the year in the hands of McLeod Bethel Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Few times I've watched him. You know, he seems to be uh, doing a pretty good job out there. Uh, seems mm-hmm. to have uh, settled into the role. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us your impressions of him and uh, how he's taken over the team. I think he thinks the game kind of the way that Ricky does. Um, he's a drop back passer who can run a little bit if he has to. Um, and you know, there are some. You know, Johnny Manziel is a guy who, in college, if there was a, a seven yard opportunity to throw the football and it was like a 70% chance he was going to complete that he'd go 
I'm going to look downfield and he's going to prolong the play and make it longer and maybe try for that high risk, high reward play. That's not Ricky Ray. That's not McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, if the play is there, if he'll take that seven yarder and go for second and three. Um, so he's a very precise quarterback with a very big arm. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm waiting for the opportunity to see if they start taking a couple of shots deep because he's got that arm. And, you know, they've got some receivers, and if, if Deron Carter and when Deron Carter gets into the lineup, and there's talk now that Devere Posey, who was released uh, by Baltimore, um, that he may come back, and he was the MVP of the Grey Cup a year ago. There's another good receiver. So, you know, you give McLeod Bethel Thompson a receiving core that they could have in a couple of weeks. Wow. Mike, it, Mike it seems to me the running attack is not as good as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that the offensive line or? I, I, it's funny because last year, James Wilder Jr. is, uh, is uh, the running back, and he exploded last year. And it was big run, 20-yard run, 30-yard run, 80-yard run. He hasn't had the big over 20-yard no, no, runs. not at all. So from the, from the 0 to 10-yard range, it's very similar. Um, he gets 7 yards, 6 yards, 8 yards fairly religiously, but he hasn't broken the long ones yet. I think that's there. We just haven't seen it yet. Uh, Mike, uh, this time last year... Um we wouldn't have thought that necessarily the uh, the Arcos would have been Grey Cup contenders, exactly. uh, and then they uh, they managed to pull it together at the right time. Um, how do you assess this team as compared to last year's team? Both in both in the sense from the collective uh, talent on the team mm-hmm. and where they are compared to where they were last year. I think the biggest difference is Ricky Ray. Uh, they don't have Ricky Ray, and that's you know he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in this league. Period. Full stop. And um, he is among the smartest players to ever play in the league. And you've got a quarterback who's a first-year starter in pro football. He's been around the NFL for a long time. It's his second year in the CFL, but it's always been as a backup. Um, that's probably the biggest difference. Talent-wise, the offensive line is is the same. Uh, the receiving core is mostly the same. Uh, there's been significant change on defense. Um, but they brought in a lot of veterans, um, a couple of whom have you know, been either injured or moved in one case. Um, so I, th- I think there are a lot of similarities. The coaching staff uh, with Mark Tressman is, is still in place. Uh, a couple of guys have been promoted from positional coaches to coordinators uh, because the two coordinators left. So um, it, it's essentially the same group. And, you know, Mark, Pro- Mark Tressman is all about the word process. And, you know, it's a, da- it's a daily improvement. And as long as he's seeing that, he's a happy guy. And I think we've seen some improvement, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football from the, from the beginning of the year. The special teams have been much better the last three games. So we'll see. Um, it is a process, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, these two games against Hamilton will go a long way to telling the story on what we're going to see in November. Do you think Menzel will be back in the uh, lineup for Montreal at any time? I don't know what they seem to be, there. They seem to be more successful. With the, back. the Pipkin kid's been awesome. Awesome. Yeah, he's been out of nowhere. When he was starting, I went, who's this guy? He runs the ball like a halfback. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's, he's big, he's fast, he's got a good arm, but it's Johnny Manziel. And this might come down to you know what the coach wants as opposed to what the general manager wants, right? Because well, the gen- they they want, somebody wants to put fans in the seats. Yes. Okay. And yeah, he did he did drive a little bit of a bump in attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, people just want to see. Well, you know, everybody loves a, a redemption story, right? Sure. And and they want to. And he seems to have a CFL type of game. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see how he can do. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and every, every and he's got star. He's got star power, right? And every movie is better if there's a good villain, right? And whether you love Johnny Manziel 
and want him to succeed wildly, yeah. or if you want him to fail miserably, um, he's a character. There's not a lot of guys in the league can do it to that extent. Deron Carter's another one. Yeah, um, he's got fans. He's got detractors. You gotta, so. have, you gotta have stars. Yeah, absolutely. You want to put you want to put uh, you want to put fannies in the seats. Mm-hmm. You, you got to give them. You know, it's like it's like you know, and we've said it all the time. You know, nicknames. You know, you got to identify with the players. Mm-hmm. And Mansell's a guy who can do that. And Duran Carter's going to do it if he can manage to, you know, uh, keep Tressman happy and fit in with the team. Uh, you know, people are going to, you know, they'll they'll tune in to watch Duran Carter. And I had a we did a podcast for Argonauts.ca um, this week. I had a twenty minute sit down with Duran Carter, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, I'm kind of like every fan. I saw him from afar. I'd never interviewed the man. I was blown away by how personable he is. Like he's just he's a he seems like a really decent guy who is learning from some mistakes. And we in the in the course of our conversation I said, when I was in my twenties I got fired twice. I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's very difficult for me at that because of that history to be very judgmental of this kid who made some who Absolutely. made some mistakes. He comes from from good great genes, not good genes, his, great genes. His dad is Chris Carter, one yeah, of the greatest uncle. receivers in the uh, in the NFL, and you're going to point out Uncle Butch. Uncle Butch, <laughs> how are you, Budge? Coach of the Raptors for for quite Coach a while back Raptors. in the Vince Carter, yeah. uh, yeah. friend yeah. of the Nez and Wally Sports Hour. Absolutely. We've had him a few times. Um, you're going to move on now, Mike. Okay. Uh, we got a few minutes left, um, um, and this is a topic. It's going to start next uh, next Sunday. Okay. And the Buffalo Bills. Naz is our Buffalo Bills guy. Yeah, He's I wearing know. his Alabama, Alabama shirt today. Alabama Buffalo. What a loser, huh? Okay. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, Mike, I, I'm, I'm a fighting Irish guy, and, yeah. and I'm getting tired of this guy rubbing it into me. Oh, I bet. He's been rubbing it into me for years. Right, but I'm, I, think I, I cannot. Louis. I think that was Louie, you know not what? me. Uh, you and Louie, okay? They, I got I to deal with these Alabama yeah. guys when they come in. And, uh, you know, and the Fighting Irish, we haven't had much to uh, cheer about for the last 25 years, uh, other than my annual uh, my annual ritual ritual of watching my Rudy tape. I would rather have Rudy <laughs> on my team than Forrest Gump, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we, actually had, we actually had Rudy on the show about three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and I uh, was actually chatting with him this week we're trying to get him on again oh, great. the interesting thing about the rudy movie is it's it's 20 it got re-released in the states this week because it's the 25th anniversary of it oh okay but what's being long forgotten it was the closing film in the 1993 toronto international yeah. film festival yeah i've, I've spoken yeah. to rudy a few times over the years yeah. as well and he's very fond of toronto for yeah, that reason for that reason yeah so uh, great movie. So uh, college football started yesterday buffalo bills uh, are going to start nas uh I don't know. I was, I was checking my Twitter feed yesterday, and they I couldn't tra- believe what I McCarran. saw. Did they trade McCarron? They did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Raiders. Can somebody please explain, uh, Naz, Mike, explain the, explain the rationale be, behind getting rid of Tyrod, bringing McCarron in. <laughs> you got a rookie. You got the guy from Seinfeld. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> uh, but I got to, with all due respect for Peterman, he does look better this year. So what? Look what? worse than the one game he had last oh, year. Against San Diego? Yeah. Five interceptions first half. So please, Naz, you're, you're our Buffalo Bills guy. I'm a Bills fan too, Mike. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but how does that make any sense? Well, they were happy with Peterman. They're not going to drop Allen. And they only go with two quarterbacks, so yeah. they have to move him. They had to move McCarron. They have no. But choice. wasn't the theory you were going to go with with McCarron, P- 
Peterman was going to sub in and Allen was going to sit and watch and with the clipboard and he was going to get some injury time minutes in the last three, four minutes of the game to learn how to be an NFL quarterback. That's all out the window because they're, 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 uh, they're, they're, they're vulnerable now. Because if Peterman goes down, because, you know, what are the chances a quarterback's going to last an entire year nowadays? Well, they don't carry three quarterbacks anymore. They used to, but they don't anymore. They carry most of the, most of the teams carry two. They'll carry three, but dress two. Yes. So you'll, you'll yeah. have that guy in the practice I, I get roster. That they part. need a third quarterback. Yeah. But they knew when they were bringing McCarron in, you you brought him in, you know, that you, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to trade Peterman at some point? I, I don't understand the logic behind what they did. What they get from McCarron, by the way? Nothing? Uh, not, not this, not this looks like Josh yeah. Donaldson trade. I mean, <laughs> six round pick or something. Yeah. Anyways, late, late draft pick. your impressions yeah. of that move, Ness? Well, I, I uh, appreciate you don't carry three. You, I, I think Mike's right. You carry three, but McCarran, you only dress two. McCarran usually. played on Thursday night and looked great in the fourth quarter. So why trade him? But, but he's playing against uh, the third and fourth yeah, line yeah, players. Okay. He looked horrible the rest of the time. I, I, and what I never, you, what's your I'm an Alabama Mike? guy, and I never thought yeah. he'd make the NFL. And I I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I've never understood the hype around A.J. McCarron as a quarterback. Um, there are guys who are really good at the college level, and they, they, they don't have the skill set to make it to the pros. And to, to me, that was McCarron. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great story, and, and Brent Musburger made his girlfriend very famous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Got himself in trouble over exactly. that, too, by the way. But, but yeah. McCarron, to me, was a guy who played behind a spectacular offensive An line at Alabama. Offense. Like Maybe the best offensive line college football has ever put together, which gives him a lot more time. And as a pro, he just, I don't know. No, he hasn't I, been a great pro. No. But I got to think he's better than Peterman. But if you, if you think you have a guy who's just as good, and I hate to use the term just a guy, yeah, but to me, AJ McCarron was just a guy. He was he was a guy that could come in and so fill you, a roster you, spot. And I think you can find you, those guys. And if they have a guy who they think is similar, maybe has a bigger upside than McCarron. If you can, oh, you get mean you're going to go from, find him in the trade market, oh, or somebody else dumped somebody? Sure, absolutely. Or we've got. I don't know how I, many know, guys. I, to be honest, I don't know. I I didn't watch the Bills very much in camp. Yeah. I don't know how many guys they brought in. And they may have had five quarterbacks in camp. Thought that McCarron wasn't discernibly big, better than any of the other ones. Could get a draft pick for him. To help them out down the road, and they just take okay. We don't like McCarron. Let's slide this guy up a notch on the depth but I, chart. You know, well, you know what I mean. But like I say, but I, if you you get you get you know the the few the the part of that I've watched Josh Allen. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he may be the Bills' quarterback of the future. Sure, but you you start him. You you throw him in as a starter now. He's not. He might you, not be ready. No, he he's not ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, you know. You know, you read these reports. Oh, he had that one fantastic throw, that sixty-yard throw in that one game. I mean, come on! You're going to evaluate a guy based. I mean, the guy's got to learn to be in it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers spent how many years on the bench with Brett Favre? Sure, but that's that's because Brett Favre was there. there. And, and I don't mean to to talk about Allen in yeah. the same terms as these players, but we've seen Hall of Fame players come in and absolutely be terrible in their first year. Yeah. Uh, Troy Aikman was awful. Peyton Manning was horrible oh. in his first year, but they learned. And there's there's that aspect where a coach some coaches will want to throw the kid to the fire, and then there are others. Carson Palmer was the first overall pick, and he didn't he didn't play a snap in his first year. So there are two different ways of going at. I don't know what the Bills' philosophy is going to be. Uh, we don't know, and we're out of time. Naz, I always give you the last word, so be my guest. Have a good week, everybody. Mike is going to say something nice about Notre Dame. Are you crazy, <laughs> Mike? Mike, thanks so much for joining Anytime. us. We'll stay in you know touch. That. Go Argos. Thank you, sir. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.